0: Can't believe National Treasure is is older than my kids are. It seems like that doesn't seem like it's that old of a movie, Uh, but uh, there's some lines that just people ask me, where do these movie clips come from? How do you know which one to show? There's just certain lines you'll watch in a movie that stick with you. That was one of them, in there when he says, "Why doesn't it just tell us where to go? You know, here's a treasure. Spend it wisely." And the reason why I, I was thinking about that is because so often. That's sort of how I feel sometimes when I read the Bible. Like I'll be reading and be like, why doesn't God just tell me what he wants me to do? Like why, why doesn't it just say that? Or like after a message, I'll have spent a lot of time studying it, I'll get up here and I'll teach it, I'll say this is what the Bible is actually trying to say. And you're like, why doesn't it just tell me what it wants me to do? Anybody ever have that feeling in reading through the Bible? You're like, why, why doesn't it just say that? Well, you're not alone in asking that question. Uh, We're going to be looking at one of the parables this morning where the disciples ask Jesus that question. They pull him aside, and they say to him, they say, "Uh, what does this mean? And then then they go, why do you speak in parables? In other words, why don't you just say what you want and not all these sort of cryptic riddles? Like, another word for parables in our mind is riddle, Uh, where you're like, I've got to figure these things out. Why not just come out and say it? Well, when he tells one of the parables, in the middle of it, he explains to them why he speaks in parables, and the parable is often called the parable of the sower, but as with most of the parables, they're misnamed. Uh, we, we traditionally have these names, like the parable of the prodigal son. It's not about the prodigal son at all. It's about the, the parable of the prodigal son's older brother. I don't know why that, that doesn't really sound quite as succinct, so we just shorten it up to parable of prodigal son. This one is called the parable of the sower. It's actually really the parable of the soils, because the sower doesn't there's not a distinction with the sower. The the distinction is in the soils. It's really about the kind of soil where the seed is being planted. And this parable is found in all of the, what I call the synoptic gospels, the gospels that are very similar in their parallel uh, writing, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You'll find it over in Mark 4. You'll find it in Luke 8, and then also in Matthew 13. Eventually, we're going to be looking at Matthew 13 and looking at that telling of the exact same story. Uh, Last week, though, I I started off talking about parables, how this summer we're going to be looking in depth at a lot of the parables that Jesus told. Uh, And people say, well, what is a parable? Uh, In a sense, it is really just a story from everyday life that is used to illustrate a spiritual reality or a spiritual truth. And Jesus, this was Jesus's most common form of teaching was to teach in parables. And he does it to both teach uh, a deeper truth, but also to sort of uh, get people to reflect, to think deeper about some spiritual realities in life. And last week I mentioned how each of the parables, there is a central message of the parable. There's a, a contextual reason for him giving the parable, but there's a lot of ancillary truth oftentimes in the parables. Uh, ancillary, there's an extra supporting truth. In other words, the parable of the prodigal son's older brother, in that parable of the, pro- of the prodigal son's older brother, we also learn about the heart of the father. And we see what the heart of the father is like, and that he allows a rebellious son to leave, but yet he is out there looking for him and still longs every relationship with him. We learn about the heart of a rebellious child, a rebellious uh, person towards God, and why does somebody rebel against God, and what do they do when they rebel against God? We also see what happens when that person hits rock bottom, and we see what the heart of a repentant person looks like. And all that leads up to what the heart of the older brother is like. And so, Although the story is about the older brother, we learn a lot of other truth that is revealed about God and about humanity from that parable. So that's one thing about the parables we need to know is, while there is just one message, there oftentimes are a lot of truth that's being revealed in the parable. And that's the issue, that the parables reveal a lot about God or about ourselves in relation to God. But at the same time as they reveal, they're also meant to conceal. Huh? Come again? Like, you know, Jesus would talk in parables because he both wanted to reveal things about God, but he also was wanting to conceal things about God as well. And that's why I wanted to focus in on the parable of the soils, because in there he explicitly talks about why God is concealing some things through parables. And so with that, we're going to read through the parable, and then we'll kind of go break down the center section where Jesus gives kind of the key to understanding and interpreting parables. So you can actually read any one of the Uh, three passages up there, the Matthew 13, Luke 8, or Mark 4. They're almost identical. There's only some slight wording uh, nuances like they asked him or and then they said, little things like that that are varying in there in the way that each of them writes it. So I'm going to go Matthew 13. Uh, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. And such large crowds were gathering around him that he got in a boat and he sat in it while the people were on the shore. And then he spoke to them many things in parables saying, Uh, it appears that on this day, maybe even oftentimes when he would preach, uh, he just got up and told story after, story after story after story after story and never gave any teaching. Like on a typical Sunday, what I'll do is I'll give a teaching out of the Bible, I'll give some stories illustrated, I'll help you apply it, and then maybe I might tell you something else about the Bible, and then maybe tell you another story about it. When Jesus would speak in parables, he would just get up and just, he'd talk about a farmer, and then he'd talk about a lost coin, and then he'd talk about a lost sheep, and he just kept talking story after story after story. And there's a reason for that. We'll get to that in a minute. So on this day, he tells this story. He says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And he was scattering the seed and some fell along the path let me pause again though before we get any further uh when i used to read this i would think to myself i don't this isn't how you farm uh like (laughs) modern farming farming is gps technology you can you can drive through pungo anywhere south of virginia beach and when they're farming isn't like everything in like perfectly rows isn't it nice like when you line up and you see everything in perfect rows They didn't waste, we don't waste seed nowadays, right? I mean, they literally, they can strategically plant every single seed exactly where they want it so all the corn grows up in rows, all the soybean all grows up in perfect rows. And so I used to read this and think to myself, I don't, it's kind of hard for me to understand because this is just how, this isn't smart farming. However, every one of us in this room has probably done a lot of dumb farming like they used to do back in that day. what I mean by that is if you've ever tried to plant a yard or reseed your yard, or seed a barren spot in your yard. This is pretty much how you do it, right? You get everything in Scott's spreader and you just start walking around, right? And and what happens to the seed, right? Some of it goes on the sidewalk, some of it goes under the tree, some of it goes into your planter, some of it goes where you want it to go and some of it grows. So when you're reading this metaphor, uh, because it's harder for us to picture things if we're thinking about a GPS, combine tractor, planter, seeder out there in the yard, don't think of that. Think of you with your scot spreader planting, all right? You got the right right mindset? So he says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. In other words, he went to go plant some fescue. Uh, he was scattering the seed, and some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell in the rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow, uh, when the sun came up and the plants were all scorched, and they withered because they had no root, still other seed fell among the thorns. Uh, which grew up, and the thorns choked out the plants. So other seeds fell on the good soil where it produced a crop, 160, 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Okay, that's what they do. So the disciples came and they asked him, why do you speak to the people in parables? Like, why don't you just show us the treasure map, show us where the treasure is and tell us how to spend it. Why do? You, what's with the parables? And so he says, uh, Because the the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak in parables. Here it is, he clearly puts it out. He says, through seeing they will not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, never understanding, ever seeing, never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused, They hardly hear with their ears, and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, they might hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, he says to the disciples, because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. So listen then to what the parable of the sower means. Anyone who hears the message about the kingdom of God and does not understand it, it's like the evil one has come and snatched it away that which was sown in their heart. That's the seed that fell along the path. The seed that fell on the rocky ground refers to somebody who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, it only lasts a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to somebody who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of the wealth choke it out, making it unfruitful. But the seed that falls on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160, 30 times what was sown. Uh, So there in the middle of it, he gives some insight into the parable and why he speaks in parables. And he starts off and he says, because the secrets of the kingdom of God. Uh, That word secret, some translations will translate it as mystery, the mystery of the kingdom of God. Uh, It's a word I think Jesus only uses here But Paul uses this word a lot in the rest of the New Testament. Paul's the guy who wrote uh, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, all those books. He uses this word mystery a lot. And the word refers to things that we didn't know or understand back in the Old Testament times, but can only be known when God reveals it. And he also talks about how Jesus has revealed a lot of these things to us. So in other words, back then when they were hearing a prophecy about God, they didn't fully put all the pieces together. uh, In the same way that like in Isaiah, where he says, Behold, a a virgin will become pregnant, she'll bear a child, and we'll call his name Emmanuel. They didn't all immediately go, Oh, we're looking for the Jesus guy. They didn't understand it. In the same way, I would say this. God still has some mysteries out there that he has not yet revealed. The end times. Uh, Everything in Revelation, eventually, we'll see what all that means. But it's not been revealed to us yet. And so a lot of times I'll get asked the question, Steve, why don't you preach more out of Revelation? Why don't you preach about the end times? And the thinking typically goes like this. I come to church and you're able to explain to me stuff in the Bible that's a mystery. And I really like that, I get a lot out of it. It just it makes sense. Well there's some other stuff in the Bible that's a mystery like end times. Why don't you do the same thing with that? Here's why. Because Jesus has revealed to us the mystery of the stuff I'm telling you, and he hasn't revealed to us the mystery of the stuff in Revelation. It's there, it's still a mystery. It's, I, I, don't under, I don't have the code for that, I don't have the decipher glasses on that one. But the stuff I do have the, the code for, I give you. Jesus explained all this stuff, and so the mystery that's been revealed, I tell you every single week. However, the stuff that's not been revealed, I just look at that stuff and I say, you know, everything I learn about Revelation is this. If you have a loving relationship with Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter whether eternity begins today, tomorrow, in a millennium, a post-millennium, a pre-millennium, an amillennium, millennium or any of those things, those are all code words if you know anything about the book of Revelation. I don't care. You're always in a great place. And in the end of the day, that's really what the message of the book is about. Now, in hindsight, one day you'll look back and you'll see, oh, that's what it meant. Anyways, um, so that's what the secrets thing is. And so he says, this is why I speak in parables. And he says this thing, he says, through seeing they don't see, through hearing they don't understand. And he says, this is fulfilling like what the prophet of Isaiah said. Now, he's going to talk about the ministry of Isaiah. Isaiah is one of the final prophets in the northern kingdom of Israel. And for some of you, I just lost you. Let me pause. I'll give you a quick 30-second Bible history. Uh, There's a time when everybody was in Egypt, and Moses says, let my people go. Y'all familiar with that one? All right. let my people go, they cross through the Red Sea, they get right on the edge of the Promised Land, Moses dies, unfortunately, Joshua leads them into the Promised Land, they end up taking the area which you now call Israel, and then they go through this period of the judges where they kind of have some highs, some lows, some highs, some lows, sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess, and eventually God uh, establishes a kingdom for them or a monarchy for them, and David becomes the second king, and David is a great king, a wonderful king. He makes a lot of mistakes along the way. He has a son named Solomon. He was a very wealthy guy and a very wise guy, but also made a lot of mistakes. And eventually, after Solomon, you get to this guy named Rehoboam. Rehoboam is a bonehead. Rehoboam does a lot of dumb things early on, and the kingdom splits in half. There's a northern kingdom, and there's a southern kingdom from that point on. The southern kingdom had some good seasons and some bad seasons, and, you know, it kind of was mostly bad. It just kind of had some good blips along the way. Everything in the north was bad from beginning to end. And so they come to a quick demise. And when I say quick, I mean, took God three, four hundred years or so, maybe to finally do that. And that's how long God's patience is. Like when he's going to quickly judge something, it takes him a couple hundred years. That's how patient God is. So Isaiah is like one of the final prophets who's going to speak to the Israelites right before God comes with his final judgment. So you get where I'm at? And so what Jesus is saying is that when Isaiah came, if you look in, in Isaiah chapter six, God calls Isaiah to ministry, six, seven, 8, right in there, and God says, who can I send to these people, the people who will not listen to me? And Isaiah's like, I'll go. He's like, all right, you'll go, but when you go, he says, he's quoting directly from Isaiah, though seeing they won't see, though hearing they won't hear. Uh, for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have their eyes closed. What he's saying is, is that the people have grown so corrupt and they have so misquoted the scriptures, and they have so mischaracterized my character, they wouldn't recognize truth if they heard it. And what Jesus is saying is, the same things happen in Israel again. That it's Sort of like as a, as a final judgment that God had on the northern kingdom, he said, "You know, I'm gonna prove to you just how far you all have drifted. I will come and I will speak to you blatant, bold truth, and you won't recognize it as truth because you've drifted so far away from what truth is, you can't even recognize it. And Jesus is saying, and the same thing has happened once again in Israel. People have drifted so far away from the truth. They've so corrupted everything I've tried to do and established on this earth. They've misquoted my teachings, and they've mischaracterized my character. So much so, they wouldn't even recognize me if I showed up and stood right in front of them. That's what Jesus is saying. Though seeing... They don't see. They're looking right at the Son of God and they don't see and recognize that. And it's sort of like a final judgment on the people of what do you mean we missed it? I was standing right in front of you. Really? How could you say you didn't see it? You had every opportunity and you missed it. And so Jesus talks about how part of his ministry is gonna be, he's gonna come and he's gonna be right there in front of people and it just shows how corrupt and how lost the people are. Why is it that God is working actively through the church instead of through the nation of Israel? because they so corrupted who God was and what God was trying to do, they missed, and missed, and missed. Does that mean God's given up on them and doesn't love them anymore? No. But does it mean that he's moved to another place to be more effective? Yes, and he does that over and over and over again throughout the Bible. And so he's done that once again through Jesus. So what Jesus is saying is, I speak in parables, because I'll be speaking plain truth, and the people who have ears to hear, will hear it. But the people who don't want to listen to anything I say, they won't hear it. So think about this. A lot of the people that came out to hear Jesus were only coming out there with the express intention of trying to find something they could accuse him with, right? So picture this. Picture here you are, you're in the temple and Jesus is a threat to your ministry, which means he's a threat to your power, which means he's a threat to your corruption and your greed. And so you, you're wanting to find something you can accuse him of to take him out. And you would see them do it over and over again. So you send your lackeys out and you go, go listen, I, I hear he's preaching up there in Galilee, go listen to him and bring back some stuff we can, we can take to, to accuse him with. So the guy goes and he listens and he listens and he comes back and like, all right, so what'd he say? I don't know, he was talking about planting some grass seed and then he talked about a sheep that had wandered away and then some brothers who didn't get along. Huh? No, no, what'd he say about us? Well, I think he said we were, I think, he, I think he meant we were like one of those brothers or something, but I'm not really sure because he didn't come out and say we're the brother. I, I don't know. Get back there and listen again and tell me what he's saying so we can find something. So I go back again. What did he say? Well, he talked about planting mustard trees and he, there was this fig tree that died. Give me something I can use. I got nothing. He just tells stories. That's all he does. It was meant to reveal and to conceal. To conceal. One of Jesus' principles he operates out of, he blatantly tells us over in Matthew 7, verse 6, is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, This is actually a proverb uh, that, that most of you all know. The first part you may not get, the second part you definitely know. Don't give the dogs what is sacred, and don't throw your pearls before swine. What's he mean by that? He says, if you do, they may trample them under feet and tear you to pieces. Uh, picture in your own mind, how many of y'all, you know, 4th of July is coming up, and you want little, little Rex to look cute for 4th of July, and so you got him this, you know, Uncle Sam hat and this, you know, red, white, and blue cape, and you're going to put it on your dog. How many of y'all have dogs which are like, I'm having none of it, right? They're more likely to eat that than they are to wear it. At least dogs will take their aggression out on the thing you put on them. Try that on a cat. I think it says here, will turn and tear you to pieces? Is that not what's going to happen if you try to put a little hat on a cat? I didn't mean that Dr. Seuss-wise, but you get what I'm saying, right? So Jesus says, he says, you know, don't take a pearl necklace and try to put it on a pig, right? The pig's just as likely to run you over and trample the thing down in the mud. In the same way, I'm not going to take the delicate truths of God and share them with people who are doing nothing but trying to accuse me with them. And so I speak in parables. And those who really want to hear and understand and listen, will. Now, does it take some thought? Yeah. And you'll figure it out. But for those who are just looking for a sound bite and just looking for an accusation, they're going to miss it. And so he says, I want to to reveal, but I also want to conceal. And so he says over and over and over again, you'll see throughout the the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the, the Gospels, he'll say this phrase, he who has ears, let him hear. And this whole parable is all about hearing. I think the word hear is mentioned 17 times. He used the word hear 17 times in this parable. It's all about hearing. Uh, what does he mean by hearing? Um, I don't know any other way to do this other than to give you a really short Greek lesson and then show you how our English language uses the roots of the Greek for it. Uh, so the word for obey is uh, hupakuo. uh Maybe I pronounced that correctly wrong. I don't care, but it's hupakuo. Uh, from there we get two English words. The, the prefix hupo is very similar to our word hyper. We get the word hyper from the Greek hupo. Uh, hyper means to be intense, right? Like, right, Really intense. Uh, Akuo, we get the word acoustics from, right? So to hear. So to hyper hear is what the Greek word for obey is. So to obey is to hyper hear. What he's saying is, he who has ears, let him hear. Now in our English, when we talk to somebody, and we know that they're hearing us, but they don't have any intention of really comprehending it, understanding it. It's not going to make any difference in their life. They're not going to obey it. Oftentimes, we will say things like, you're hearing me, but you're not listening, right? So we use those. That's kind of an a, a, a altering of the words. Try to say, you hear what I'm saying, but you don't understand, right? Okay? Well, let, let me say, listen, if these dishes are still in the sink when I wake up tomorrow, right? Are you saying that just for random informational purposes? what dad say? I don't know, he said he's pretty mad about dishes. No, <laughs> no, no, that's not at all. Or sometimes you might say, listen up, people, listen up, listen up. Hey, everybody, everybody, listen up, listen up. We say things like that. Why? Because we want to make sure you hear what's about to be said because what I'm going to say is something that you need to comprehend, understand, and live accordingly, or allow that to impact what you're thinking and how you view life. And so when Jesus says, he who has ears, let them hear, what he's saying is there are some people here who are just hearing, and there's some people here who are really listening. And so that's what this parable about the soils is all about. It's about the kind of people whose heart is able to hear and the kind of people whose heart is not able to hear, the kind of people who just hear the words coming out of his mouth but are not listening to the words coming out of his mouth. So he goes through and he says there's three kinds of soils, or sorry, there's four kinds of soils, four kinds of hearts. Uh, There's the hard heart, there's the shallow heart, there's the distracted or divided heart, and then there's the open or devoted heart. And so that's where he breaks down the parable. He says whenever anybody hears this message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, The evil one comes and snatches it away, uh, what was sown in their heart, and this is a seed that's falling along the path. For some of you, this is you. You are here right now. You don't want to be here. You lost a bet. You messed up, and so you agreed to come. Uh, Somebody's been nagging you, so you said, fine, I'll go. Uh, And you're here. You don't want to listen to anything that's being said. You've already got life figured out. Everybody else in this room is a hypocrite. I just want your money, and you'd rather be anywhere else than here right now. I get that. <laughs> and for some of you, you're forced to come here week after week after week. And sometimes what will happen is that you'll be here, and all of a sudden your interest will get kind of kind of pricked along the way or pinged, and you'll be like, huh, I hadn't really thought of that. And then tomorrow you'll go to work and you'll talk with a friend of yours, like, hey, yeah, so I ended up going to, I, don't ask me why I was there, I agreed to go, and I don't know, the guy said something was kind of interesting, though. Like, whoa, whoa, you were at church? What did he say? You know that place is full of hypocrites. You know they just want your money. Uh, Yeah, I know, I know. That's the seed that fell on the sidewalk. The hard heart. They heard it, and before it could get anywhere, something just comes in and just snatches it away. The heart wasn't really receptive to it to begin with, and it just didn't really ever have a chance because of where the heart was at. Then he talks about the shallow heart. Because so there's some seed that falls on rocky ground. This refers to somebody whose heart uh, that hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they'd only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This verse is like, oh yeah, I'll be there next week. Oh! I love your church. Thank you so much for inviting me. As a matter of fact, I want to. I want to. I to sign up. Can I, can I work in the nursery? Can I work in the nursery? I'll, I'll be one of the greeters. Whatever you need me to do, I'm there. I'll sign up. I'll, oh, next week I'll be there. Oh, is there a small group on financial peace? I really need to get my finances order. That'd be great. That'd be wonderful. Oh, you're also going to marriage one. Can I do both, the financial one and the marriage one? Because I've got a bad marriage and bad money. I think they're related. I'm not really sure. So I want to go to both. Oh, wait a minute. There's something my husband can go to. There's a Monday night football group that's going to start in the fall. He'll be all over it. That'll be great. That'll be great. That'll be great. Right. How long does that person last? Two weeks, three weeks, a couple months? And then this is also the person who has the testimony that says, well I used to go to church, but you know, then my grandmother died and I just, I don't know, I just don't understand how God could allow that to happen. Grandmothers do pass away. (laughs) I I don't mean, they do, right? That happens. Young people pass away too. I'm I'm no stranger to that. It happens. But people say, well, because that happened, I now won't go to church anymore. Notice he says in here, it says the deceitfulness, or sorry, he says uh, trouble or persecution comes in and it makes people question what they believe and they they walk away. Um, Happens all the time. How do you explain this person? This is somebody who loves the benefits of God but doesn't really want a relationship with God. It's the same person who joins a gym in January because they're gonna get buff and fit this year because they love the way that that lifestyle looks and they, and they, they wanna have that, that figure and they wanna have that you know, healthiness. I wanna, I, wanna do, I wanna do a cleanse, that'd be great. Then they take one taste of what some of the cleansing stuff is and they're like, Ugh, no, no, Twinkie, please, Twinkie, now. Hit me, hit me, hit me, right? And so they, they join a gym in January and they don't even use it come February. They didn't truly love the fitness lifestyle, they wanted the fitness body. Right? In the same way, a lot of people come to church and they love the way they feel when they're here. They love the way their life is when they're walking with God. But they don't really want a relationship with God and everything that's going to require. And so they're here for a little while, and as soon as the going gets tough, the tough go out the door. So then he says there's a distracted and divided heart. He says there's a seed that falls among the thorns. It refers to one who hears the word, but the word of his life and the seedliness of wealth choke out the word and make it unfruitful. I think this is the reason why church attendance nationwide has dropped by 50% since COVID started. Now, at essential, we've only dropped about 35 40%. So you guys are amazing that so many of y'all have come back to church. But nationwide, it's about 50% drop off. Um, and he says here, the reason isn't that they no longer loved God or wanted a relationship with God. The reason is just other things were more important along the way. The worries of this life who couldn't fill a notebook with the worries of this life? Oh, you know, I really need to get on the grass. I really need to, you know, get those weeds pulled, you know. There's a couple projects around the house. I've just been kind of letting, if I keep letting these things go, you know, I'm never going to get around to it, you know. We really, I only got a couple more years left with my kids, and so I really need to spend this time with them. So we're going to go camping this weekend. And the worries of this life come in, or the wealth issue, you know, if I could just, I'm going to spend this week, I'm just, just for the next couple of weeks, I'm just going to get a little bit ahead. I'm going to get caught up at work so I can get ahead on this. I've got a big meeting coming up. I've got a big, big proposal coming up, and I'm just going to you know, work a little bit of weekends here so I can get caught up on this. And what ends up happening is you're not intentionally walking away from God. It's just other things become more important to you in life than God. And he says that's like the weeds that are just getting up there and choking it out. And at the end of the day, is there any grass in that area of your yard? No. I mean, almost everybody in Virginia Beach has that one spot in your yard where you can't grow anything, right? And it's because there's something else there. Either the soil condition's not right, there's a shade tree there, there's roots there, there's rocks there, there's something there and it's just not gonna grow. For some people, they desperately want to have a relationship with God, but it's just not important enough in their life. It's just not. Then you send this to other people, and you throw the seed there, and They take to it. And listen and go, you know, I I need to look into that more. And they investigate and they begin to understand really what life is all about. This life isn't about he who dies with the most toys wins. This life isn't about just building a better future or building up my retirement or having the good life or living the American dream. Eventually you realize that everything in your life at some point is gonna be taken from you. The only thing that you're left with is your loving relationship with Jesus Christ that will last for all eternity. I know I've lost a lot in this life. Everything I thought I was trying to build in this life, almost all of it's been taken. You know, I've gone through losing a wife, losing a job. I mean, you can go down the list. You know, I've had the financial turns, you know, where you have it all, then you lose it all. I've gone through all those things. And you begin to realize what on earth is it that you can hold on to for eternity? Nothing but your relationship with God. No couple things about these hearts as we can finish out. A lot of people who become that fourth soil have seasons of their life where they were hard, seasons of their life where they were shallow, seasons of life where they were distracted, leading up to a time where the soil was right. Just in the same way some of you all have problem spots in your yard that's taken you years to get figured out, and you finally got grass to grow there. At the same time, I also need to point out the only one of these hearts that actually has a relationship with God that will last for all eternity is the fourth one. The fourth one is the only one who really has ears and really has eyes to see. The others, they all heard the word. They just walked away from it. Something else in life was more important or they just blew it off or they said, you know, there's something I don't understand so they walked away. The question is, is where is your heart right now? Can you take an honest assessment to it? Can you honestly look and say, this is where I'm at? I come in here every single week, and, you know, some of the stuff you say is interesting, but I got some, I got some issues. I got some reservations. i not quite sure this is for me. And you got all these issues, you know, how could Noah really fit all those animals on the ark? How could God have really made the earth in seven days? How, and you go through all these lists. Until I can get all my questions answered, I'm not going to believe. Okay, that's your choice, man. Others of you, you were there at one point in time, but then because life didn't turn out the way you thought it would, it revealed you had a really shallow relationship with God, where as long as he does everything you want him to do, you're on board. The second it doesn't go my way, I'm out. So you've been out for a long time. There's others of you, you want a relationship with God, but you faded away. Just something else in life was more important. Some point, I'll let you know, you're gonna realize the only thing in this life that matters is him. Others of you have gotten to that front, final point. Maybe you go through seasons which are difficult and seasons where there's not a lot of growth. But the track record of your life is continued growth. And he says that's the one where you see there is a return, like a typical seed back in that day and time. If they got a tenfold return on the seed, like if they had like you know, 10 plants out of the one, they'd be amazed. He talks about how there's a potential for 30, 60, 100. There's no telling to the number of lives you can touch when you have a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. It could be hundreds, it could be thousands of people who are impacted by your life and your relationship with him. But in the day of the question is, where's your heart this morning? Would you only please we pray. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. I thank you, Lord, that you don't discriminate with your message, with your word. That Even though we may come in here this morning with hearts really hard towards you, you still teach us truth. Father, I just ask that you would soften the hearts, remove the obstacles, take away the distractions so we might truly see what is most important in this life. The only thing that will last for all eternity, and that's a relationship with you. May we not just hear this message and hear your words, but truly listen, truly comprehend, truly take them to heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.